You're listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. If you care about growing your skills and getting more new sales appointments, pipeline, and closed one deals, you came to the right place. Subscribe to the show on YouTube, iTunes, or Spreaker, and be sure to go back and listen to all the episodes for the best strategies, tips, and tactics out there on running a high-performance sales development program. And now, your host, founder, and CEO of TenBound at TenBound.com, David Delaney. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am joined by my most esteemed guest. I've got so many questions for this guy. Okay, you're going to love this. Managing Director at Franklin Covey, Mr. Eli Perkins. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, man. Okay. We were talking before the show. I've got a million questions for you because Franklin Covey you know, has made such a big impact in my life. And The Seven Habits is obviously a cornerstone. So I want to dive into that. But first of all, if folks are not familiar with you, if they haven't met you yet, tell us about Eli and how you got into sales. Well, I have a pretty varied experience. I grew up in Tennessee. I have experience all the way from working in a church to working at Dell in Austin, Texas, and now at Franklin Covey for about five years. So, you know, really started in sales at Dell back in 2007. I was on the inside. I was working with customers in Kentucky. I was working with outside account executives. I was that traditional inside salesperson. And so that's where I really started in, back in 2007. And I knew, I knew people. I knew how to talk to people. I didn't really know anything about technology except how to turn on a computer. Really didn't know a lot about sales. So that's really where I learned kind of those core concepts of how do we work with an account and help them and get them to kind of move forward with what they want to do? Nice. Okay. And so what was it about sales that drew you in? I mean, you could have done a lot of different things. You were saying that at Dell, you had a lot of different experiences before that. I think you mentioned you were working at a church. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So well, what was yeah. it that you down that path? I know. Well, it's a wild, it's a wild kind of story. I was working at a church in San Antonio, Texas, and I was feeling the need for a little bit of a career change. And I, I was actually before Dell, I was a PhD student in the University of Tennessee in Knoxville, and I was studying communication, organizational communication. Well, I got in there and I found out quickly, hey, I don't think I really want to be a professor at a university. I, I have a hard time just doing research just for research sake. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I was trying to figure out, well, what in the world can I do? I know I want to go into business. I want to go into business. I had some friends at Dell and I always liked the company. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to them. And they got me connected said, hey, there's a sales role open within two weeks. I had an offer to come down and work for Dell. So it was kind of a round, roundabout way to get to, into sales. But there I was and started really a, a new career in, into sales and business. And it was inside sales. So what, what kept you in there? I mean, what, what did you like about it? And you know, what were some of the challenges? 
Yeah. So the way I kind of looked at my time at Dell was is, is almost really like a, a mini MBA uh, over the course of many years. I, huh. I loved working with the different, you know, people in the in, in on the sales team because we had we had vertical and horizontal teams. You're working with the, the customers. Mm-hmm. And then I moved into more of a technical sales role. I was supporting five account executives. And that's where we're working with those customers who are buying you know, enterprise level data center hardware and software. And so I got to experience that level of sales. And then really one of the most interesting things I did was to get uh, joined the leadership development program at Dell. Mm-hmm. It's called the Global Audit and Transformation. So, so I went from working at a church to a PhD student to inside sales to all of a sudden I was joining an audit team flying all over the world, conducting inventory audits in, in Poland and Germany and the Czech Republic. And so I got to see all the way from producing quotes at Dell for customers for laptops to, to mapping and reconciling the inventory at a warehouse across the world back to the books at Dell so that, you know, the executives don't get fired when they produce their 10Ks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whoa, that must have been weird. Like all of a sudden, you find yourself in Poland, and you're going, "How? How did I go from?" It was. You know, it was wild. Because uh, you get these amazing. reports, and your goal really is you. You don't want to find problems, but if you've ever done an audit, you know you're looking for an anomaly. You're looking for something that's out of place. And the uh, director of this warehouse that I was in. Oh, he looked at me and challenged me. He said, you won't find anything in a wrong bin, right? You go in a warehouse and there's all these little bins. Well, I, that was a challenge right there. So I, I had the list there and I'm searching and searching. And lo and behold, I get to the bottom of a rack there. I pull out a, you know, some kind of piece of hardware and I'm checking it. And I'm like, this is not in the right space. <laughs> oh, my God. He did not, he did not like me too much. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, you're way far from home. You're overseas. You never know if you're going to get, you know, like kidnapped or something or something like that if they don't like you, right? That's right. That, that's right. Yeah, we we didn't have bodyguards or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, we don't like what this guy's saying, so we'll just kind of get rid of him. Oh, man. Yeah, that's right. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. Right. And that's now, right. like, using – is that is that kind of what led you to Franklin Covey? Because I look at Franklin Covey as, like, this cornerstone – philosophy of, you know, leadership and personal leadership. So how did you make the jump from Dell over there? Right. Yeah. Well, that that jump really fit me well because I, I was ready to to leap out into really developing, you know, a business. And so I, I jumped into a role called a client partner at Franklin Covey, but really is an account executive type role outside sales. And and so there you I was able to develop a territory from a couple of clients to 52 and revenue looks like about 150,000 to 1.1 million. I was able to do that in three years. I was really ready to just jump out and build something on my own, right? Because inside, you know, a large company, you can feel like, well, what kind of difference am I really making? And then the, really the, the, you know, the core kind of values of, of Franklin Covey and how it helps people really reach their full potential, really kind of set well with me. So it was really kind of a perfect opportunity to go out into the business world, kind of build something great. And that's what launched me there. 
Okay. And so what you liked about it was that they had, there was core values of the company that, cause that's, that's really interesting to me because a lot of companies, they talk about core values to some extent, but at the end of the day, it's just like, just shut up and sell something, you know? <laughs> right. Like, right. You know, and you're just, what's that like to be able to find a um, company where you actually believe in the value, like you share the values with them? Too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think there's a lot of great companies out there that do have good culture and That's good true. core yeah. values, right? There's definitely a lot, but there's yeah. two things that strike me there. One, one is kind of the culture of the company and do they value you? right in intrinsically and celebrate you and help you be great and and you know this company definitely does that a lot of companies do that i think another thing that really is vital when you're when you're joining a company is do you really believe in what this company is offering the clients is it really helping mm-hmm. the clients get better make progress reach their goals help them solve problems because when you when you believe in the solution and not just the solution by itself but as it relates and aligns with customers needs then you're in a great spot to be successful okay and what if what if somebody's listening to this right now and they're going you know my my company honestly like the product's not quite there or the culture's not that great and i don't necessarily believe in what we're doing, but I still have to pay the bills and I got to like feed my kids and all this stuff. Like how, right. how could they think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, that, that really goes to one of the key concepts or really is, is part of inside mm-hmm. our, our company is, well, what influence can you have in your circle? Right. So when you okay. think about that, that's the important place to operate. So you think if you're in a small or large company, maybe there's a lot of things out of my control, but what what can I control or at least have influence over? So if you start listing out those things, look around you, look in your company and, and you see, you know, can I make any part of this better? If I can, let's go do it right? Let's go do it. And then if you're, you know, obviously if you're really just unhappy, you know, and, and the culture is not changing and the product's not changing, of course, you know, you can look, look elsewhere to something that better aligns to who you are and would be a great fit. But I think really yeah. the key is, is there anything that I can do? And if there is, hey, go do it. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the same with, with a lot of things in life. I mean, it's like a philosophy mm-hmm. of, Hey, what, what is, I like how you say it. There's a, there's a circle of things that you can actually control and it's a pretty narrow circle, right? right? I mean, yeah, you can can control your, your attitude and your health and like your associations to some extent, but, but outside of that, I mean, there's so many millions of things and, you know, that just makes me think one of the things that you can control folks for anybody listening to this is those media influences that you let into your brain, you know, I've just, Mm -hmm. I've tried to kind of focus on like, what am I reading? What am I listening to? Like, how is it affecting me? And you know what? George W. Bush said it the best. You have a remote control with an off button. Like, (laughs) you know, that's right. That's your control mechanism. So I love that. Exactly. That's something, is that something that they, teach you at the Franklin Covey, you know, the courses, or is that part of the culture that they have there that you, 
really focus on that circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that you know the in and out is necessarily mm-hmm. a, a key concept, but I think it goes really hand in hand with that, for sure. Yeah. Because I, I think you could even think about it's like you know who who are you surrounding yourself with, you know, and that could be yeah. people, it could be communities, right? It, it could be media, it could be other influences, right? And so you definitely have to kind of make a decision about that. But I do love that about media, you know, because you could go down a long path about social media and time spent here and there on that, you know, and you, you got to have balance and have a good time. But, but yeah, that that's got to be able to kind of filter and discern for sure. It can be a huge time suck because it's like, it's designed to, you know, give you the, the little shot of adrenaline that you, that you want. And like, Right. You get into a little bubble just just interacting with things that you like and people that you're interested in, stuff like that. Next thing you know, right. an hour or two are gone. And and you know, that makes me think I wanted to ask you because in your role as the managing director, you're managing a group of, of remote employees primarily. Is that mm-hmm. correct? That's right. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, how in this day and age, like with all the massive amount of distractions and different things that people can do right from home, you know, how do you think about managing remote employees and and making that a positive experience? Yeah, so I I think a couple of things that I've really tried to work on with that remote team is uh, obviously one, you've got to really develop a, a relationship based on trust, right? You know, we go through the Mm -hmm. hiring process and you get to know people just a little bit and and believe they can be successful and it's a good fit for them. And so you've got to work, I think, on that relationship and build a strong foundation of trust where, you know, no one wants to be micromanaged, but you can feel like, you know, from the production that you're seeing, are things going well, <laughs> right? Do we, do we yeah. feel like this person is executing out in the field and can manage having a remote kind of, you know, job? I think that's one thing. Another thing that I found that's almost maybe more important of that, and, and as far as a role for me as a leader is, I found that the if when I am, am focused on a couple of things, inspiring my team and also constantly teaching and and help sending them best practices so they can be successful. Those two things, I think, are critical for the success of a remote workforce because that tends to keep them fully engaged. It's a reminder of why are we doing what we're doing and how can maybe we do it better. Right. And, and so yeah. those, I, I think those the key things have really I've learned over the past couple of years and really tried to make a really intentional focus on making sure that I'm providing that for the team, as opposed to just sending out reports by email. Hey, here's the numbers for the week or the month. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's amazing that the technology has come together over the last few years with the broadband and Zoom it when it works, <laughs> and <Right>. Slack, <laughs> and all these tools that we have to enable people to work remotely. I worked with a company that was 100% remote. They had never had an office, and they had like over 200 employees. And wow. even their SDR team was 100% remote, work from home. So yeah. this is happening. It's happening out yep. there. But there's yeah, also a flip side. You know, there's a flip side of that in that 
you know, I can't imagine just, I would go nuts just being at home all the time, you know, and not having an office with the camaraderie and the, the high fives and like, you know, just interacting with people. Like it would be crazy for me. Like, and, right. and, and to your point as a leader, you have a new role of having to manage this team, you know, beyond just sending out reports and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. There's some definite, you know, benefits and challenges with a fully remote workforce. You know, now my account executives, that that role is, is kind of more traditional regional salesperson, and that's been sure. around for quite a while, yeah. right? But with with we also have inside sales as well, and so you know those folks are are sometimes out in front of clients, customers, but you know the majority of time they're not, and so that's definitely a kind of a whole new world. And so you've got some who can excel, and and, and some who who kind of struggle with just that self management piece to really you know do well in that type of space. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? Then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Totally. I think you that you hit it right on the head. It's If you're talking about remote work, it becomes more, it's going back to that philosophy of what's in your control, you know, at the moment and what's outside of your control because, and it comes down to, I think, self-discipline, you know, to some extent, like, right. because mm-hmm. you've got every distraction on earth you've got the entire internet right you've got right. your fridge your fridge the pile of laundry that's there you know <laughs> like, right like there's so much stuff that can take your eye off the ball but at the end of the day as the director you're looking for the results right that's right yeah yeah exactly and i, I think if we can if we can continue to help our teams really kind of help focus on reaching their full potential and giving them the tools necessary to do that and kind of pour into them. I think that's a, that's a really key component of leading any team, but especially a remote team, right? Sometimes I think of the, the digital age we live in and, and also kind of the challenge of just human to human connection and conversation. Right, because so much is digital. I mean, email's been around for so long now, but especially with our, our our younger generations coming up, and I have two daughters, and 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 so, you know, the the cell phone is just this thing that is, you know, obviously provides a lot of great things, but also is a challenge, especially with the digital communication the chatting, right? All of that that goes back and forth, which sometimes can really, I don't know if I would say delay, but not fully develop that ability to have great conversations between two people. I see that as a, as a big challenge in in kind of our our development of, of some of our sales force. I know, that, that's amazing. Like, it's almost an extension of the hand, you know? Like, right. it's like the right. thing that... And and I drive by San Francisco State every day when I'm picking up my kids. And I literally, like, you drive by, the, everyone's waiting for the bus, and everyone is, is crunched down, like their neck is hanging yeah. down, like staring at the right. phone, like hundreds right. of people, you know, waiting for their transportation. 
And I look at that and I go, that is weird. Like what, what did we do before we had this supercomputer, you know, attached to our hand? Like, and, and what is, I mean, what is that doing to everybody's necks? <laughs> I mean, this That's is right. awesome. yeah. Like, no, you go your... to the airport, dude. Right. right. I mean, you, your your head is is your most the heaviest you know part of your body, right? I mean, it's it's and you're you're craning your neck down looking at this thing, and you know bringing it back. Sorry, I'm on a tangent, but bringing it back to your sales example, you know the new generation that's coming into the workforce as SDRs and AEs have been you know communicating digitally. So again, it's, right. it's, it's great for all the benefits that it has, but what about, there's also the flip side that nobody seems to be really be addressing. Yeah, it, exactly. And, and so what I've seen and, and done a lot of coaching on this past couple of years is, is not so much, you know, how, you know, to, how to get more meetings, right? We talk about a lot about sales development. We talk about lead generation and business development. And that's, that is so important. And it can be a big gap in, in a lot of companies. And I, I think there's really two things to, to growth. And that's <laughs> as far as sales goes. One is, is to have more conversations. And the second one is to have better conversations. All right. And so yeah. what I've been focusing on with my team this past year is having better conversations. There's a lot of thought there's a lot of companies out there helping other companies have more conversations and you know my concern is well when, once you get to that meeting that conversation <laughs> do you know how to have it <laughs> i mean when, when was the last time yeah. you think of a, a time years ago probably where you, you had a meeting and you walked out and you thought that was probably the worst conversation i've ever had <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me all the time dude. yeah all the time <laughs> <laughs> all the time mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> i need to work hey. with you yeah absolutely man yeah because you get there and you're like all right all this work has been done whether it's by a you know an sdr team or the marketing team yeah. or lead generation or whatever and then the moment happens whether it's a phone call or in person and you're like are you prepared, you know, to have a great human to human conversation? You, last year, one of my favorite little slogans that I heard at one of the presentations at your conference was, you know, there's, there's not so much B to B or B to C, but it's really all H to H, right? It's all human to human. Every business decision ever made right, right. is always human to human. Right. So we, we, we got to get we got to get better at that. So that, that's what I've been coaching on. I've been thinking about a couple of, of principles about that. And it's really it's like how to talk to clients. Right. You know how to talk to. Clients. Yes. It's a lost because, art. It really well, is. it really is. Yeah. And, and it really starts with a couple of mindsets and then just a couple of simple things, which I, I just tried to kind of help the team with. And one that I really, really got from, I don't know if you've read the, the recent book by Seth Godin called This is Marketing. Have you, have you read that recently? No, no. This is Marketing. I'm writing it down. Yeah. 
it's a fan, it's a fantastic book. It's small and, you know, I mean, Godin's fantastic, but it's really interesting. He talks about a principle. And I think of it as a mindset, even when you go into a sales conversation or a cold sales call, and that's of generosity, right? If we have the mindset of generosity, when we're reaching out to someone, whether it's a warm lead or a cold lead, knocking on someone's door, whatever it is, the idea is that, Hey, we have something great to offer the world. I'm really proud of it. I want to make sure that you know about it, right? And instead of mm-hmm. feeling like, hey, I'm knocking on your door. I'm a salesperson. Here's our product list. Do you think you want to buy something? That mindset's really hard yeah. to work from. But if you're, think about this, right? Think about restaurants. When was the last time you went to a great restaurant? What's the first thing you want to do? You want to tell someone else about it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's, so it's that's the same weird. Kind of principle. You know, it's like, it, and you don't feel you don't yeah. feel bad about telling someone about. Hey, I just went to Dos Rios Mexican restaurant. It was the best thing I ever had. You've got to go try it. When was the last time someone was like, I cannot believe you just wasted my time telling me about this Mexican restaurant? I don't even like Mexican food. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and think about that. If you have that momentum behind y- your voice and your just your demeanor, how everything would change because you, exactly. you believe in it to your core. And instead of, you know, just like, uh, I'm, I'm going through the motions here, you know, right. and then the person could pick up on that. Right. Because they're like, this guy doesn't even give a shit about what he's talking about. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But if you're, and if you just have, you know, it's, it's no fear, right? No fear, but it's also this kind of bubbling up excitement of like, Hey, we're helping a lot of people get better at what they do. I want to make yeah. sure you're aware of it. I'm so excited about it. You may not be, that's okay. But Hey, if, if I didn't tell you, I would feel bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I mean, dude, like, so when you're a client partner at Franklin Covey, do you actually own the like franchise or do you work for the company? And I'll tell you why I'm asking that. Yeah, no, not at all. It's definitely, you know, an account executive, full-time, you know, position employee of the company. It's not a licensee or a franchise or anything like that. No. Yeah. I got it. Okay. Cause I, I feel like, and this is just to your point, like when I started 10 bound, you know, all the sales calls became a lot more important to me overnight. Right, because yeah, it was that's like right. my company and and everybody that I talked to, and I really obviously believed in the services that we were providing. You know, so right. I had mm-hmm. two checkpoints. It was really important, and I was really believing in it, and I was really excited. And you know, my tone and just my you know presentation changed completely mm-hmm. overnight from right. from and so and so in your case. You know, you're working with people who, you know, it's like as the managing director, you've got to get them to go from this is a job that I have and I'm working for this company to I believe in Franklin Covey and I want to tell you about it, you know, like making that transition. That's right. That's right. And, and let's take that one, one step further, too. Right. And so the, the second mindset is really that of service. And so when, when your mindset is of service, it's, it's not only that I, I believe in my product, but really it's about that. Yes, we have something great, but really what I believe in 
are the results that our clients are getting, right? So yeah, and okay. that, that, that concept and mindset of service is I have the client's best interest at heart from the very beginning, right? And, and it really goes to our, our intent when we sit down and when we call with someone, you know, and it's really interesting because anyone can sense someone's intent and they know <laughs> if you have their best intent at heart. Right. And what's interesting is that uh, a client or a prospect will assign you an intent, whether you want them to or not. So you, you might as well just Whoa. tell them, right? You might as well just tell them, hey, I'm here because obviously I'm really excited about what we're doing, but we're helping clients succeed in this way. We're helping them get better, make progress. Right. And this may or may not be a good fit for you. And that is okay. Right. That, okay. That's a very different kind of conversation than than what some folks have, you know, out in the field. OK. And so and so when you that's really interesting, because if you go into a conversation and you said that the client or the pe person that you're talking to will assign you an intent. If you know, if you don't make it clear what your intent is, then they'll figure out something in their own head and assign it. On you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That, that concept is, is really taken from a book that's called Let's Get Real or Let's Not Play. And the author is a guy named Mahan Khalsa. And so he has a history with, with Franklin Covey and co-author is Randy Illig. And so there's some great concepts in that book. There's, there's a lot of great sales books out there. And, and that one has that concept in it. it really starts, you kind of start with that. <laughs> with your intent yeah. and it makes a makes a huge difference what's your intent that's really interesting notice notice people listening to this that eli has mentioned already two great books i had not read and and that's that's something that you see over and over that people that really excel they are constantly learning because say you you learn like one thing you learn this the concept of the intent you know situation and then you go and use it on a call and it works really well and you have a win-win situation boom right and exactly. so i i just you know when when you mentioned that i i'm gonna i'll link these in the comments but those are two great books that could make a huge difference so okay so i believe in it i'm creating the intent i'm communicating that what else do i need to be doing to improve these these conversations yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I try to I try to be really, really simple. And so what I've tried to put together is just a quick framework for the team and really anyone in sales who's making any kind of sales calls that is not an entire sales cycle, right? There's there's a lot go into an entire sales cycle, whether your sales cycle is a month or twelve months, and whether you're involved in getting the meetings or not. Right. So what we're going to try to talk about is very specifically when you when you're sitting down with someone, especially for the first time, you, you want to do really three things. You, you want to intrigue them. You want to inspire them and you want to influence them. So I did that on purpose. Right. You have three eyes. Try to build a framework that's memorable. You want to intrigue, inspire and influence. It should be really, okay. really simple. Right. So. I, I tend to start with intrigue. You, you can start anywhere, but intrigue is a good one because it has to do with the customer. 
has to do with them. So remember, our mindset is generosity, of course, but also service, right? Your My intent is your best interest at heart. I want to make sure that this solution exactly meets your needs. And so what I tend to start with is we help customers similar to you get better at this thing, right? And, and here's how we've done it, right? And and so you want to have some type of impact story, some type of something. You've done some research, right, on this customer that you're calling on. You kind of know who they are, and you want to make sure that whatever yeah. you say is intriguing of a need that they probably have. Got it. Okay. All right. So by intriguing, are you trying to make them a little bit sort of their interest level goes up a little bit or they're getting a little bit more curious? Like, tell me about that. Exactly. Exactly. When you can kind of pique their interest and curiosity of not about, right, that this thing is cool, but it could help me. Right. So think about, you know, another one of my favorite concepts in in the book called Let's Get Real is this idea of of solution. Right. So here's a great quote that that goes to this intrigue part. Right. So the the author says that both both the, the prospect or the client and the salesperson or consultant have a mutual conspiracy to focus solely on the solution. And that's a problem, right? So think about you walk into the Apple store and you walk into the table and you're looking at all of the shiny things, the iPhones, the iWatches, whatever it is, and you're picking them up and you're, you're playing with them and it's very shiny, right? And the salesperson yeah. comes over to you. And what are you both tend to talk about? all of the shiny features and buttons and functions and can Mm -hmm. it do this? It can do that and all of that. Now the good salespeople will start to ask you what you might use it for, but a lot of times they don't. And you as a customer often aren't even thinking about that. You're thinking about the shiny buttons that it could do (laughs) and what it does, not even how you might use it. Right? Yes. Yep. And so it seems it goes with with a consultative sales conversation, no matter how complicated or complex the solution is. Most often, I've been in so many meetings, and you tell me this, right, where you walk in and you feel like, and it may have even been said, I've been in meetings where I sat down and the prospect has said, well, so tell me what you got. This is your meeting, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This actually isn't my meeting, right? <laughs> this is right. this is your meeting. I'm happy to be here and to help facilitate this conversation, right? But what we're here to talk about is maybe we can help you get better. I'm not sure yet, but that's your decision, right? It's a very different yeah. mindset. It's almost like they wanted to get let off the hook for half an hour. You know, it's like, oh, good, okay. Right. Let, right. let, let me just let this guy talk. I'm going to take a little break here, a little mental break. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, he'll run exactly. through all of his slides, and then I'll get the proposal, and then I'll never call him again. Right? That's so, right. That's right. Like, yeah. yeah. So you're you're turning that corner, saying, "Wait a minute, hold on, let's intrigue," and then yeah, what are the other eyes? Intrigue, exactly. Right. Inspire and influence. And so I think as you move from intrigue to inspire, it's helpful to think about, you know, the way that we're intriguing them 
is not by the shininess of our product, but it is by the potential of progress that they can make. Like that's how you intrigue someone, right? You know, someone might be interested in the solution, but boy, they're intrigued when for what it might could do for them. You've heard the the old saying, right? People don't want to buy a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole, right? (laughs) Right. They they really, who needs a drill? Well, really I need a hole. In Godin's book, This is Marketing, Godin takes it further and I love it. He says, you know, people actually, let's take it further. They don't really care about the hole this drill can make. They want to actually put their new shelf on the wall. And then he takes it one step further and says, you know, really, they actually don't care about so much about the shelf. They really care about how that makes them feel, (laughs) right? Whether it's, you know, oh, look what I did by myself or my spouse came home and is so proud and can use this new shelf, right? So I love how Goen just takes things a lot further. It's really great. Yeah, exactly. So you want to put all your stuff up there. You want to feel good about all the stuff that's up there. You feel organized, all that stuff. It's not even about, it's, 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 it's a level deeper. Okay. All right. Got that's it. Right, that's right. right. So yeah. now, now what do we have to do? Yeah. So now, now we would move to inspire. And this is a real, a real key because this is where you really build that trust and where, where someone can really see who you are and, and not just a blank face, right? You're building some depth in, in character. And in, when you inspire people, you're really doing a couple of things. You can, you can, here's the things you can do. And then let's talk about like what's underneath it. So you can, you can share a, a personal mission of, of how you're involved in this work. You could share an impact story, give an example of that, right? Of, of the result of your work. But you can also share I find this most impactful, why you're doing what you're doing and share some of your core beliefs, right? So here's another book for you and and for everyone listening. This is maybe more popular. The book Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Okay. So so his, his famous quote there from that book is that people don't really buy what you do. They buy why you do it. He has, he has a lot of great examples of there, but the key to inspiring is you're really searching for people who believe the same thing that you do. People are longing to join groups that have common beliefs. And when we can connect with people with, with that core, then we're going to be able to inspire them and connect with them. Now, the solution may not be the right fit. But if the solution it has, the, has the core belief system there that they connect with, then we're going to be able to kind of inspire, inspire them. Right? So people don't buy what you do. They, they buy why you do it. Because people really want to join a, like, a group of like-minded people with similar beliefs. And so you think about you know, Apple and, and their, their kind of core belief is you know, innovation. And so you remember all the lines of people waiting outside the stores trying to get, you know, the new, the new iPhones, right? Well, Cynic would say they're out there because not because they really want the new phone. They do, but they connect with that core belief of being on the cutting edge of innovation. Yeah. One of the most powerful examples that Cynic mentions is Martin Luther King Jr.'s march, Right. And how was he able to gather all of these people 
And he says it was because he was connecting with people on their core level of belief, their belief system. He has a famous phrase was, right, he didn't give and I have a plan speech. What did he say? Yeah. <laughs> I believe. I have a dream. Yeah. <laughs> a dream because I believe mm. this and I believe that. And people raise their hand and they say, I believe that too. Right. I and so if you can, yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to bring this to my experience when when you yep. walk into the, a call and there's this kind of burnout you know middle manager who just kind of right. is trying to cruise until he can retire and right. you know <laughs> you, you you believe and you you've got a dream and all this stuff but this guy right. is like when is this meeting over so I can go get another cup of coffee you know and That's it's right. like in that case I think you're and I'm just gonna go ahead a little bit like your response would be hey maybe this this isn't a good fit like even if the company's right and everything it's like this guy is not willing to even there's no ball game here like in that case would you just recommend look do the best that you can but you can't you know lead a horse to water and make him drink type of thing Absolutely. And I've been in those yeah. meetings and I'll say that because <laughs> cause I've run across yeah. folks and, you know, and if you're, and if you're seeing that, Hey, we're not connecting here, whether, whether you're using yeah. terminology like, you know, beliefs and things like that. And, you know, absolutely. Because everyone's wasting their own time. Like I say, Hey, yeah. you know, if, if this, if this isn't connecting with you <laughs> for whatever reason, then, you know, that's, that is fine. I, I've seen two things happen. I, I've seen folks, you know, prospects say, you know, you're right. We're actually going with something else or, or you're right. I don't care. Like you're talking about, <laughs> you know, this is not connecting. Right. This is not going to help me, you know, then that's, that's fine. I've also had times when it kind of wakes someone up and they say, oh, you know what? No, it actually does. Right. I, I, I actually am interested to so you pull that solution away sometimes they'll want to take it back, uh, yep. you know? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, you know, it, it almost like breaks them out of that cycle mm-hmm. or, you know, just like a negativity, you know, it's like, wait a minute, exactly. this could actually help. Wait, 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 before you go, you know, that's right. <laughs> you're walking out yeah. the door. This doesn't feel right. <laughs> I'll see you later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've also seen an opportunity. <laughs> I've seen an opportunity that's where, funny. If, if someone's, you know, open and, and they say, yeah, you know what, this really isn't for us. I, I don't think it's the right fit or I'm going with someone else. It's also a good opportunity to ask for a referral, Would, you know, in or outside of the company. Because sometimes if they're nice, <laughs> they'll actually, you know, share something and say, hey, you know what, I've got a friend over here. This actually might be, you know, helpful for them because, you, again, you, you have their best interest at heart. You're there to serve. You're being generous. And if they're, if they see that intent and if they're, you know, a decent person, they're probably going to reciprocate and say, Hey, it's not for us, but since I can see your intent is good, let me share this other contact with you. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, that that's like, you know, referrals is a whole different thing. I, I'm really interested in, in how to build referrals and, and I want to, I want to dive into that, but just for the sake of time, you know, that's a great tip for when things just are kind of off the rails, hey, you can always ask for a referral, right? And you might get <laughs> the right. best sale of your life out of it. 
right? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. I love it. I love it. Eli, this is amazing. You have shared so much knowledge with us. I got three books here. Start with why. This is marketing. Let's get real or not play. We got your sales call program. And, you know, I got more questions for you. But just for the sake of time, when we get you back on the show, I want to dive into some more of the stuff that you mentioned. But hey, thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your knowledge with us. Absolutely. Great to be here. Looking forward to next time. Yeah, definitely. And and if folks want to get in touch with you, is uh, LinkedIn the best way or what's the, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, absolutely. I would say just connect on LinkedIn and then we can pass messages that way and share numbers and uh, go from there. All right. Well, Eli Perkins, thank you so much for being on the show and we'll talk again soon. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast. The only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.